Doctor Who fans across the cosmos, and welcome to another Who Corner to Corner podcast. I am here with my good friend Jeff, as always. Hi Jeff, how are you? I'm good, thanks Paul. How are you tonight? Yes, I'm very well. My cold has finally shifted, thank you for asking. Um, But we are also joined by somebody rather fabulous, who is a BAFTA-nominated, six-time RTS-winning documentary maker, big Finnish Doctor Who writer, and total overlord of Moon Balloon Productions, and a geek, apparently, it's Mr. Chris Chapman! Hello, Chris! Hello, I feel like I'm going to have to go into like a boxing match now or something. I feel like you're like... The, yeah. <laughs> you can, I need to get a bell, don't I? Ding, 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 ding. Yes. That's pretty good. Yeah. Hello, guys. How are you? Are you okay? Yeah, we're yeah, good. Yeah, we're, we're good, thanks. Good, thanks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very excited. Yeah. Very excited because... Um, I'm looking forward to my season 22 collection Blu-ray box set, Chris. <laughs> Which has it, been delayed. Uh, me a little, too. I haven't, I haven't had mine yet, so I always oh, I get really? mine about the same time you guys do. Oh, so it's always a lovely thing to get in the, to hold it to know it exists. Yes. I'll be yeah. have, you, have you have you have you had a physical copy that you must have done no, some sort of, no, no, not at all, really. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. It probably didn't exist until about a week ago. Yeah. I imagine. I think these things always happen right mm. at the end. So I will have sent in. With any set, I would have sent in our documentaries. We would have sent digital files off for that. I think then people like Richard Bignall spend a lot of yeah, time watching yeah. discs to make sure that everything, that the quality control is all there. But they mm. only get a disc in the post. <laughs> uh, or I think really? they might watch it even digitally. It might just be on their website. Uh, but nobody gets a hard copy until really? about the same time you guys do. So we're, we're kinda, we might get it a day in advance, or we might get it two months later. It kind yeah. of varies. It's, it, it's exciting for us as well, definitely. Yeah, it's quite so interesting it, that you said, like, oh, sorry, that you said it's kind of probably only made a week or so before it gets yeah. shipped out. I always wondered how close to release date stuff gets done. And so, I'm guessing yeah. slightly, but, but it, it's really, it's not like, there's not a big gap. Mm. But I know for a fact yeah. the season 22, I know Russell Minton sent me a text today to say that it had arrived, arrived into his office today. <laughs> And we're, I guess we're only a few days out from release, and he's the boss. So, yeah. so it's not, right. it's not like we, we, this idea of advanced copies doesn't really exist. But doesn't that's because okay, yeah. we're kind of, by this point, we're kind of sick of it in, in the nicest possible way. You know, we want it to be out there, yeah. but we don't nece- we're not necessarily chomping to watch it because we've already <laughs> had a look at it. But uh, you've seen yeah. everything. You, you, you've obviously seen the content. You've created a lot of the content. You've seen the artwork and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, when you get yeah. It in your I mean, I, 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 my kind of area. Mm. The lovely thing is, you've got this great ensemble team of people who all are brought in for their own specialities. It's like kind of, it's not like Armageddon because they don't do it. Like it's more like Ocean's Eleven. You know, that everybody <laughs> in the team has been brought in for their speciality. So you've got Lee Binding is doing his beautiful mm. artwork. Yeah, you've got you've got uh, Peter Crocker is doing the restoration. Mark Ayers is doing the sound, and I'm brought in specifically. Uh, to, to work on the documentaries that we do, to work on, they call it VAM because we've never worked out a good name right. for it. I, I tend to call it special features because yeah. DVD extras feels a bit out of date now. So I, I it does, doesn't it? And, and also uh, quite rare these days as well. You know the stuff that you get on the collection set for you, you know, well for Doctor Who fa- fans, but also kind of film geeks like like we are. It's amazing to get that much stuff really these is. days. Yeah. You know, I think it's a shame in a way get... because I. I, I loved, as a film nerd myself, I loved that time in the kind of early mm. to mid noughties when mm. DVDs had really broken through and it felt like in order to really sell DVDs, mm. you had to put on a shitload of, of extra content. And yeah. I remember 
wading through things like the Alien quadrilogy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I feel like that was a golden age for, yeah. for, the, for the DVD extra. And yeah. and I guess in the last 10 years, they've thought, actually, we don't need to really don't do this do to it. sell yeah, things. Or maybe people same. don't like physical media so much as they did in the early noughties. Mm, yeah. Uh, Weirdly, I think it's coming back a bit because of streamers. Weirdly, that you get yeah. shows like The Mandalorian and the Marvel stuff on Disney will now have these quite robust, high-budget documentaries. Yeah, mm. I was going to mention them. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, and that's almost the future of of Vamo, I suspect, in the mainstream sense. That that I don't see why the Beeb, if they're doing a new Doctor Who, well, I guess you know that's kind of what Confidential was on BBC Three. But yeah, I feel like every yeah. streaming service would benefit from having common optional commentaries documentaries all that stuff that seems as valid a, a way of getting it out of there as having it on a disc well yeah. we, we we were talking actually just before just before you popped on about um ownership of content and it's interesting how all of this sort of stuff has changed in the last decade or so as we've moved generally away from having physical media and now coming back again, like you said, and it seems to be the case that I mean, for me, I I, I love these collections because I know that I'm getting something that is mine that looks mm. gorgeous and, like you said, has a shed load of content on it. That mm. and okay, some of it maybe I could go back through the old DVDs and maybe I could look on YouTube and there's some other bits and bobs in there, but I'm pulling it all together and I wouldn't get behind the sofa or anything like that, and yeah. I wouldn't get your fabulous documentary. So I'm just you know just putting that one out there as well. But to get it all you know, in a package, it's you, you know you feel like you've got something credible and yeah. of value, you know, and as a fan of something, that's where the value is to, you know, to have it there. It's. Um, yeah, I mean, even if I wasn't working on these, I, I'm, mm. I'm a big believer in physical media anyway. If you yeah. were to step outside of the room I'm in now, I have like a floor to ceiling shelving thing of, of oh. just DVDs and Blu-rays yeah, and yeah. 4Ks and stuff. And, and I, I, I think a lot of us are slightly, Maybe it's because the BBC junked all our good stuff back in the 70s, but I've got that <laughs> paranoia that yeah. somebody might take it away from you. And actually, yeah, it, I, I've been point. watching Star Wars on Netflix. So I've been watching Star Trek on Netflix mm. in the knowledge that, oh, they're going to remove it any day now, aren't they? It's yeah. going to go. And that's not a nice way to watch your favorite show is with that pressure, shadow hanging over mm. that, yeah. that some, some bugger might take it away. So yeah, I, you, I, like, I like to know that I have it. And yes, I think you yeah. do get something more comprehensive. That's not just me on a sales pitch. I think as a nerd, no, but you're, you're right, though. I think yeah. it's better. And, yeah. And it's yours, isn't it? You know, it, it can never be taken off offline, or you mm. know, your your rights to it or whatever can be, you know, can't be removed. And yeah, I, I still, you know, order CDs and copy them onto my iTunes and stuff. But then, you know, if the computer goes down and I've lost it all, I still got the disc for it. And yeah. you know, for a film, if they put it out in a nice special box, you know, like the collection, <laughs> we're suckers. Know, like, we're suckers for the boxes, aren't we? If it's that, got a, a nice it, yeah. shiny it's box, and like a bigger yeah, box, yeah. you know, then, yes. then we like it. I, I, th I think we're also products of a generation, uh, a lot of us, mm. that in the 80s, you know, the, the, the message of VHS was own it at home forever, mm. you know, have it forever. And it's been drilled into that generation that this is how you keep it forever mm. in your life. And, and if you're like, if you're younger, if you're under 30, you probably don't give a shit about that, quite, probably quite <laughs> rightly, logically, because you've never had <laughs> the fight to get that content. The content yeah. has generally been there. Yeah. And so why, why would there be a worry that Disney might release it on VHS mm. for release Snow White for a year mm. and then yeah. delete it? So you had to buy that. That worry doesn't really exist now, does it? And, so and also, the, we, might tap, it, yeah. we might just be dinosaurs. We might just be dinosaurs. 
Yeah, that's it. The pattern. Well, of we might thing, be. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the pattern for everything is is completely different, isn't it? Do you, you know, do you remember? A film would come out in America, mm. and you'd wait maybe six months to a year for it to come out here. Then you'd get to watch it in the cinema, and then it'd be six months or so till you could rent it. Then it would be another six months till you could buy it. Then it would be, you know, on telly eventually. And you know, it doesn't happen like that anymore. My my kids have got, you know, no understanding that you used to have to wait for stuff. And mm. and you know, my son, I took him to see Sonic Two uh, a couple of months ago. Can I watch it at home next week? So it, won't, it won't be out next week. <laughs> well, maybe the week after. You know, <laughs> so I think it'll be a couple of months. And you know, he was a bit, but, a bit disappointed. You know, but even that shrinking, isn't it? You know, mm. you know, partly as a COVID thing. You know, Sonic Two mm. will be out a lot sooner than it would have been in yeah. the old days. You know, I, I remember when The Exorcist got re-released in '97. I think it was '97 yeah. um, in the UK. I I ended up buying, you know, they'd have like this pre-sale VHSs in the really big boxes you'd sometimes have in HMV, and I bought it for like thirty quid or something, like yeah. thirty or forty quid, for the for the privilege of getting it three yeah, months ahead yeah. of retail time. <laughs> that all seems a bit bizarre now, but um, yeah, uh, but but those gaps are definitely shrinking. Maybe yes. we're doing the reverse of it on the collection because I know I know the poor unfortunate American people that buy oh, yeah. sets have to wait a bit longer so it's kind of revenge for yeah. something like Jurassic Park <laughs> taking six yeah. months in 93 and, and like with Marvel films now we usually get them a week or two before America does because mm. they kind of tie them with half yeah, terms yeah. and stuff yeah. like yeah. that so yeah you're, you're right Chris it's, it's our uh, payback for, for all those months <laughs> of waiting many many years ago yeah absolutely <laughs> So um, we've got some questions to ask you uh, this evening. So our first one, uh, we're just going to go straight in with this. So when and how did you discover Doctor Who? Ooh. Ooh. The origin, the, the fan the, origin. The, the question, I'm sure, for any fan. Um, yeah. So I, what was it? I, I, I remember watching from an early age kind of, science fiction stuff on telly and I have very early memories of watching things like the like the tripods uh, and so on. Yes. I was born in 81 uh, and I remember quite early on watching things, Star Wars and Star Trek and the tripods and things like that and and Joey Anderson stuff you know from yeah. the birds and Captain Scarlet and and uh, the kind of the crown jewels of my viewing habits at that age probably the, the thing I was allowed to stay up latest to watch <laughs> was Doctor Who and um, I have vague memories of Trial of a Time Lord mm season but only really fairly vague and then it kicks in for me uh weirdly my parents seem to have skipped season 24 uh, which, which, which some people might say was a sensible decision but <laughs> i i would not concur with that but i i skipped 24 and mm. really the the big thing for me was remembrance of the daleks um was was huge you know and and, and kind of made me if not a fan then an avid viewer and i stayed with it until the end uh of, of mccoy's era loved like Fenric and Survival, mm. I have very vivid memories of, I think one of the most underrated cliffhangers in Doctor Who is the end of episode two of Survival when the Doctor realises that, that one of his friends is going to have to change for him to take advantage of them to get yeah. back to Earth and then it's it's Ace who changes and I remember thinking that was so even as a, like I would have been seven mm. and I thought that was a really dark idea that you'd have to use your friend to, 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 to survive um but really, it was the. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. It was the, the repeats that they had in ninety two, ninety three, when they showed like Time Meddler, um, yeah, uh, the Mind, Mind yeah. Robber, and then Sea Devils mm. and Demons and and Genesis and Andrazani and Revelation and uh, Battlefield. 
Uh, and I can't remember uh, that. You've got a better I, memory I than been, I have for that. Yeah, oh, sort of that would have been the first time I'd that. seen those doctors. Yeah. So I would never have seen. Uh, Hart. And I remember thinking the time meddler. Mm. I'll be honest. <laughs> I remember thinking as a eleven-year-old, yeah. this feels really old-fashioned. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, as an eleven-year-old, I just, yeah. I just, I wasn't built at that point for yeah, yeah. absorbing yeah. that kind of telly. And then I remember loving the Mind Robber, mm. and then really loving the Sea Devils, like thinking the Sea Devils was quite scary and mm. uh, and interesting. And 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 then started buying VHSs after that. In about '93, I think my first ones were. Uh, I got the Trial of the Time Lord box set, and then had vague recollections from it. I thought, oh, I, no, I do know this. And then got Planet of Evil and Seeds of Doom mm. and Day of the Daleks and the Genesis and Sontar and uh, Tupac. And that yeah, was my kind of... Yeah. And Terror of the Autons, which I think I knew the script of Terror of the Autons and would tell people in the schoolyard, I'd recite the script and they'd be like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Why, <laughs> why are you saying these things? And I'd be like, oh, you ham-fisted oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That is geek credentials right there, isn't it? You, I'm, afraid, really I'm afraid so, no. Welcome to the in club. retrospect, yeah. I, I could have made better choices, but I was very happy. <laughs> Couldn't we all? But, you know, we are the products of our choices, very much yeah. so. So was it, this, um, was it Doctor Who that led you into filmmaking, or was that a separate thing entirely? How, how no, I... I, I, I I was always a film nerd, so mm. I was always absorbing movies, and movies were continued to be my kind of, I guess, my biggest, broadest thing. And I thought I was going to go and become a, a film reviewer. I, I, I trained. I, I went. I yeah. did work experience in newspapers. I, I did my degree and my MA to, to achieve that. And I oh. thought I was going to go and write for Empire or Total yeah. Film or something. Yeah. Uh, and then just randomly, just a friend said. Uh, They'd seen an advert for a job at ITV mm. uh, for a junior researcher, and I went for the interview. And I hadn't—I think I was hungover, and I hadn't done any research. <laughs> the best and interview I start, like, ironically. <laughs> this was in the old, old Time Tees move, the old Time Tees studio in, the, in Newcastle, oh, where they used to do things oh, like yeah. the Tube yeah, and yeah. Supergrand came out of there. Mm. And um, and I went in, and I thought, God, what's this going to be about? Then I looked around with all these photos of kind of of regional shows of kind of one man and his dog in the countryside. And I went in for the interview and they said, so Chris, what, what do you think this is about then? What do you think you're applying for? And I said, Oh, like regional one man and his dog. And they said, Oh no, no, we're doing, we're doing a six hour documentaries about, uh, it was one of those channel Four, the hundred greatest family films. All right. So they were going to be interviewing all of my heroes. Basically they were going to go to all the directors, all the actors for, Movies from the Railway Children to Jason oh, and the Argonauts, wow. to yeah. the amazing Mr. Blunden, to uh, through to Jurassic Park and ET and stuff, and and I kind of went ah, in my head, ah shit, I fucked this up, haven't I? And I, I, just, <laughs> I just, you know, I hadn't researched the researcher job, yeah. So I presumed I'd, I'd fucked it, <laughs> and 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 then and actually completely relaxed because of that. Yeah. I thought. I'm not yeah, going to get this. Blown it, and, so and I'm told that, uh, this sounds kind of egotistical. I'm told yeah. they saw 120 people. And I got the job, I think, because I was just... I talked to them about my favourite films. And I just said... Sh they said, what, what film should be on our list? And I said, yeah. well, you've got to have some Ealing comedies, haven't you? You've got to have, mm. like, uh, The Lavender Hill Mob or yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and they were like, oh, you know The Ealing Comedy? Oh, okay. And and I, I think I just geeked out for an hour, and that seemed to be worth something. And that, that got me into telly. And uh, and then it's just been a gradual thing since then. That was back in 2005. Yeah. So I would have been about 23 at the time. And I'm now 40. Tomorrow morning, or well, tonight at midnight, is. 
I turned 41. That's how disturbing oh. time is. The passage. Happy of time. birthday, Chris. <laughs> well, yeah, happy birthday for, for a bit later. Yeah, yeah. So um, you, you've obviously done quite a lot of documentary work. So was there a specific thing that kind of you know, moved you in that di- direction rather than narrative stuff? I mean, you've done narrative as well, but, you know, I, I would say, you you know, you're more kind of a documentary filmmaker. You, you know, is there something that kind of yeah. spurred that love of, of that? Well, I, well I, I started in documentary, I guess, in, 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 that, in, that, in the 100 Greatest kind of stuff. So I guess that was, I think there were very definite routes you can take through the telly industry, certainly in the UK. And they kind of, in my head, mm-hmm. they don't weave together that often. So you yeah. take the drama route and you become part of these big crews where you might become, you might be a runner on location of casualty or something. And then you're a third AD and a second AD and a first assistant director. And then you work it up that way. And and I think factual, which I'm really a part of, works quite differently. And I came up as a researcher, basically as a junior researcher, researcher, assistant producer, mm. producer director. And the assumption there, unlike drama, is that you'll probably be on a smaller team. Uh, on a shoot, there might only be uh, three, four of you sometimes. I mean, I, I sometimes shoot on my own. You know, I'm not in a Doctor Who shoot where, you know, you see yeah. them out shooting at the moment and they might have, they might have 50 people or something, you know, yeah. on, a, on, a, on a shoot day. And I've done, I have done uh, dramas, more, more kind of non-broadcast dramas, but I've done dramas with that scale of crew. Um, but I guess I just, I found myself in that route and then realised actually I really like a situation where uh, I like observational films. I like films that are about people and you let the people be the best that they can be and you champion people and you're sympathetic, uh, which means I think you can tell stories that have Mm. loads of light and shade, you know, where you can be funny and also tragic and you, but you're doing it out of love. You're kind of loving your, your characters. And, and, and so I, the real breakthrough for me, I, I did a few years on non-broadcast stuff after I left ITV and I pitched a documentary to CBBC. I've got a stammer. I grew up with a stammer and I pitched a documentary to them for their My Life series, uh, which was called Stammer School. Yeah. And this was the idea that Michael Palin, uh, his dad had a stammer. He right. did a perfect recreation of his dad's stammer in A Fish Called Wanda. The stammering community went, hey, but quite slowly uh, in order to say we... And I, I used to really struggle to watch Fish Called Wanda. I used to think yeah. it was a really... I used to think it was an attack. And it took me a long really? time to realize it was it was Palin paying tribute to his mm. father. Uh, but Michael saw the reaction it got and kind of put his his clout where his mouth was. And he, he helped to set up... He put his name to a speech therapy center in London... Uh, not too far from King's Cross, and and primarily that primarily they were teaching, they were helping children with speech therapy. Yeah. And I said to CBBC, Let, let's follow a group of young people going through this. And that film uh, really kind of changed the whole course of it for me. It'd be, you know, relatively small in the big scheme of things, but it was nominated for a children's BAFTA. Uh, it, it got a big write-up in the Guardian, and it kind of arrived at the same time as the King's Speech was coming out of right. cinemas. And so suddenly everybody wanted to know about stammering. Mm. And then a whole lot of stammering things with Gareth Gates and people got mm. commissioned. But we were lucky that we had randomly timed it to be out at, t- yeah, at the same time yeah. as King's Speech was winning Oscars, basically. And 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 I thought at that point, I remember telling, watching it with my mum and kind of saying, I really like that this is on telly. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> it's not like a non-broadcast thing where... You know, it's often made for a company or an organisation or yeah. whatever. I love that people have just watched this and, and I don't even know them. 
and uh, and kind of resigned myself at that point to thinking I just want to keep doing this. Uh, and so eventually went freelance and, yeah. and and that's what I do now. I, I, I make documentaries for television that might be observational or they might be presenter-led, factual mm. or factual entertainment. Uh, and I kind of basically moonlight like crazy on the Doctor Who's and do them at evenings or weekends or in between jobs. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I can have my cake and eat it, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's that's brilliant. It must have been um, it, it quite. It's quite a thrill seeing your stuff on on telly, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, I, I used to do a lot of music video stuff. No, no big names or anything. Um, but I knew that one of our videos was going to be going on one of the Sky Music channels mm. sometime between these this hour. You know. And I sat down and, and waited for it to come on. And they only went and left our, our bloody animated logo on at the beginning. And I was like, free advertising. Nice. I benefit from your incompetence. Thank <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, some years later, I did a, a video for uh, someone who was on X Factor. And um, I knew it was on a channel. And I just happened to flick it on yeah. uh, one, one afternoon. And the, and the video was on. It was halfway through. And I said to, to my son, oh, what do you think of this? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I like it. I said, I, I did this. And I, I, he, I, I still now, I don't think he quite gets, you know, no. like you say, what, 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 do you, what do you think daddy does? Uh, stuff with computers, yeah. you know, even though yeah. I'm lugging around all these big bags with cameras, cameras and, you and know, all, this and all sorts. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. But if it's a thrill, isn't it, Chris, to see your stuff? And I, especially, you know, for you, they're doing something that uh, helped put attention onto mm. something you know, like the stammer mm. and, and, and probably helped a lot of people as well. You know, it must have been I, I, amazing. I think, I think it's often a lovely feeling. I mean, I think the thing we're quite lucky about it, doing this kind of job is I've done jobs before when you, you, you don't, there's not necessarily an ending to anything. Mm. Yeah. Everything just going to continue, not necessarily in a bad or good way, but it just continues happening. And I love with my job that uh, each, each project is finite and each project has a definite conclusion that you're ending aiming for, yeah. which is to finish the fucking movie, to yeah. finish the thing that you're doing, whatever it is. And any, and then you get a post ending, which is you've finished it, you've delivered mm. it. And then three months down the line, when you've probably forgotten it a bit mm. or moved on to something else, it comes out yeah. and it gets seen. And, and I think the fact that you get to finish it and close that door and move on, but also get feedback on it and know that hopefully it meant something that you did it in the first place is, is, is lovely. And, you accept that sometimes that it might be that nobody watches it <laughs> yeah. or, or it might be that people hated it, but you know, just it's at least it's out there and you can kind of say, you can draw a line underneath it and say, I did that. And now it's, now we can talk about it like this. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's, it's, I, I enjoy that episodic, maybe it's a doctor who thing. I enjoy the episodic yeah. nature of that. Leave everything on yeah. a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how yeah, did your, um, yeah. sorry, Jeff, go on. No, I was just going to say, yeah, that's interesting because I kind of, you know, view my stuff like that as well. You know, you, you do it and you move on and, and that's part of what keeps it interesting because, you know, every every month there's a couple of different things and they might bleed into the next month, but then you start new things and, you know, work, working on, you know, a feature, mm. you know, which could take years of your life, you know, for example, I, I think that's a very different mindset to be that kind of, you know, singularly yeah. focused on one thing for so long. Yeah, know. I think it's really hard. I mean, I'm freelance. Uh, I'm a limited company, and I was offered a job earlier this mm. year that would have been a big one, where they it would have been it would have been two years mm. of my life, and it would have been uh, not just that, but film. It was a wildlife program, and I would yeah. have been filming away, and not just away, but in away somewhere away. remote with no Wi-Fi, with no phone signal oh, for, yeah. for one in every three days. 
yeah, over the next oh, wow. two years with no control over when that would be. It might be in an eight-week block. It might be in a 12-week block. Wow. Uh, the blocks might run back-to-back. Mm. And I just kind of, I ultimately said no to it because I thought I just, A, that's a, you know, with a young family, that's yeah, a huge yeah. thing yeah. to be away from. Yeah, you don't years back. No, it's an, at an amazing time, you know, yeah. to have, a, I've got a three-year-old, so that takes me right through to first day at school and all that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I just thought, I don't know if I want to do something, mm. one thing for two years. And that wasn't the kind of job I could have moonlit on or yeah. worked around. You know, that would have been me not doing any Doctor Who's or Big Finish or other shows yeah. for, for two years. And I thought, yeah. I might get bored. <laughs> you know, kind of, <laughs> yeah, I might like, get bored. <laughs> And, yeah. and also, when you run your own, for me, that's a long time. Yeah. And, and when you run your own business as well, you know, if if you go off like that, well, what, what happens to the business? It, it stops basically. And then when you come back, well, how does it, you know, restart again? And you know, my my wife said, would I ever go out on tour to shoot bands? And I said, you know, I'm too old for that now. My knees hurt. But you know, <laughs> it's it's months at a time. And and like you said, Chris, you know, you, you could be you know, two days on the road or something, you don't know if you can bring home or anything. And yeah, when you've got a family, it's you, you have to kind of make those decisions about yeah. what, what's yeah. most important, you know. As a freelancer, you have to be slightly mad and just assume if you don't take that, something else will come along. Yeah. You just have Which to assume that. They often know. do. They always, always do. Yeah. 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 And they have, and yeah. they'll be, they'll be different. They'll, yeah. they'll be better in some ways, worse than others. But, mm. you know, you, you kind of, you have to make that choice and then just kind of move on with it, really. But I'd, I'd rather mix it up. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the benefits of being freelance, isn't it? To a degree, I guess you can kind of pick and choose. I mean, if you know, if there isn't much work coming in, then you don't. You, you have less of that. But when you become more, you know, become more used to your name and you become more in demand, you can sort of cherry pick what projects you're going to work on. Well, one of the key reasons I went freelance was mm. to be able to say no. Yeah, the, the, the power of saying no to something like yeah. I, when I, I worked at an independent film company before, uh, which, was, which was Dean Films, where yeah. I was working on the Doctor Who's on the DVD range, and I had an amazing time there, and they, and they mm. really nurtured me, and I and I love the people who work there. But whatever landed on your desk, you'd have to do it. Yeah. So yeah. I remember doing like a, a tuitional, a tutorial DVD box set on clog dancing. Uh, Excellent. Where why haven't I seen that? I need well, that in it, my it, life. It was, it was. A, I mean, the lady that wanted it was lovely, yeah. but she wanted all she wanted was a shot of somebody's feet on a wooden floor, <laughs> times by four hundred. Oh, and each each of the four hundred would have a different menu yeah. access on the DVD, oh and each of them would be subtly different from each other, and yeah. you would not believe how something like that can drive. A production team insane for a, rel- for a very small budget can i withdraw uh, my and, previous and, uh, statement i don't want that in my life thank you very much yeah, <laughs> yeah no, and, and so but, you know i went freelance in order to be yeah, able to yeah. say no and, and say actually i'd rather do and i won't do anything that i don't want to do i'd rather just risk it and see what happens but uh, yeah but at least you can you can say that sounds at least interesting but that That's thing it. over there i do not want to do yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's important stuff did you did you think about going freelance for a while then? Because it must be in, in some ways you kind of leave in the people that you work with, the friends that you that you made there, the, the projects that are ongoing, all that kind of thing. I certainly had it in my head for about six months or so, yeah. and and I was I was kind of chicken about it, and I mm. didn't leap until I had something lined up. I know some people are very brave and just sack it all in and hope yeah. for the best. But I waited until I had an offer and then jumped, uh, and that was you, for you that brave, was actually for another CBBC yeah. show. Uh, we did about a family moving to New Zealand, yeah. uh, where 
I suddenly had to learn to shoot. I'd never shot myself. I'd been a director with a crew. Oh, right. And they were like, yeah. you can do this job, but you have to learn to use the camera and go and shoot this. And, yeah. and actually, that, that, was in, that was nearly 10 years ago, and I haven't really looked back from mm. that. I shoot the majority of my stuff now, and that's been a really good learning curve. Um, but I, I'm glad I did it. I, it was definitely the right thing to go freelance. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't go staff now. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, happily go and do a year or something that sounded great mm. and work on that team. But I'd be freelance on it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, how did your work with the Doctor Who range first come about? Because you were at Dean Films then, weren't you? Some of the early ones were done through them. Was that right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the, I did about forty insanely wow. on the DVD That's range, fine. and that was all through Dean. Yeah. Uh, and but I was quite late to the party. Like you'd had all mm. these lovely people that are good friends, people like Ed Stradling, uh, Steve Broster, Paul Venesis, Richard Molesworth, people like that had all yeah, been yeah. making special features. And I came through in about two thousand seven, uh, and and the range wound up I think in twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. So I was in there for like the last four ish, four or five years of the thing and I told the story before, but we, we were just, I was just a bit shit at the beginning and very much finding my feet. And, and it was from the era when they were making lots of documentaries about sideways historical cultural aspects yeah. of it. So it took me a while to actually be mm. allowed to make something about Doctor Who, which felt a bit weird. Uh, <laughs> but, but then we, we did, and, and I had a lovely time. And, yeah. and we, would, we made things like um, Living with Levine. Basically, I found this lovely collaboration with Toby Haydock, who's great. Mm. And yeah. we did three on the DVDs. We did Looking for Peter and Living Living with Levine, the John Levine, Louis Theroux ripoff, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the Haydock versus Havoc doc that was more like yeah. uh, getting the A-team back together again. And uh, and, and the, that, in a way, the, those were the kind of pinnacle of us mm. feeling like we could have fun with these and make something that would be on telly, but just happens to be for a super-duper niche audience yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and is fairly indulgent in that way. Uh, but we did things like Who Peter uh, as a two-part thing, and and I co-produced the Ice Warriors animation uh, episodes two and three, and we just had a, we just had lots of fun, and and actually the people I worked with on those docs, you talk about losing friends when you leave a company, yeah. but actually I've now that I'm freelance and I have my own company. Uh, I've just re-employed those people, <laughs> so I Brilliant. I still work with the same editor, Rich Alderson, yeah. on. The Blu-rays that did did a lot of my DVD ones. I still use a chap, wonderfully named chap called Toffer Magrillis, who That's is an amazing. editor. So he's a really good shooter and he's a really good drone yeah. operator. He still works on the on the Blu-rays. Uh, Neil Bushnell and Chris Chatterton, who I work mm. with on the Ice Warriors, uh, I still work with now. And and it, you know, if you, if you work with nice people, you want to keep working with. Yeah, you, yeah, it's it's good when it, you yeah. you know you you're friends right. with people, isn't it? And mm. yeah, and you know that. The, what they can bring to the to the table, and you can rely on them. And yeah, it's like like you said, Paul. It's important to keep those people around, and you want to have a good time at the work, you know, don't Absolutely. you? And, you know, doing it with friends is is great. Yeah, I, I think particularly because often with making films, they have to be done in a very mm. short amount of time. So you're coming in for a day or a couple of days or three days. To have a shorthand or just to know that somebody can do it mm. is is such a such a, a relief <laughs> such a relief. Yeah. So if you, if you can do that, then you should do that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, oh, go on. Oh, yes. Go, no, you go, go, Paul. I was, I was, I was only going to say actually because um, I, I was watching some of those uh, those old ones with Dean Films over the last few days. Just kind of, I, I've seen them all before, but not for a long time. And what struck me recently when I was watching uh, what was it the 
particularly the Carnival of Monsters thing. And when you're saying your love of film, an old film comes through. I mean, it's mm. it's such a pastiche of the old kind of B movies, you know, and the, the, the with the Drashigs and the Playasaur, and it, you play on that stuff. And what I've noticed, I think, is the creativity which goes into. It's almost like you ask the question, how can we present this in a different way? Because there, there, there's mm. with a lot of these documentaries, there's so many talking heads, and that's okay up to a point because you want to hear what people are saying but the challenge must be how can we do something that gets the same information and the same interview type thing across but doesn't come across like a talking head again and again and again and, mm -hmm. and the, the packaging with which these documentaries are, are wrapped up with is it, it's really creative you know thank you well it, it was always quite tricky on the dvd range because mm. you would fundamentally you'd be like okay how do, uh, on Carn Carnival of Monsters, as you say, we did a doc called Destroy, Destroy All Monsters. Destroy All so Monsters, already, that was it. I was trying to think of that. All, yeah. We're already riffing on the Godzilla movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But as you say, it's kind of a mix of, of lots of different B-movie kind of things. Uh, but with that, you think on paper, what do I do? Uh, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a good few surviving cast and crew. We've also yeah, got Katie yeah. and, and Cheryl in the cast. Mm. And uh, there's there's an amazing uh, AFM, I think, called... called Called, called Carolyn Collier, right. I think, who's on that one, who's really good. Uh, and and all these lovely stories to tell. You've got, I love the story in that about John Pertwee nicking bits off the yeah, ship. Yeah. And just kind of <laughs> the stuff. He's really fun. And I love Carnival of Monsters. I think it's yeah. one of the best who's of all time. Um, but, but you looked at that and thought, well, how can we do mm. this? Because there's not really a location to go to. We can't go back to, you know, you, I guess you go to the marshes, but that's just Katie standing in a marsh. Yeah, you know, and what's interesting about marsh, just the horizon. And it, if that ship had survived, yeah, uh, we would have absolutely done something on the ship, mm. but it had been broken up in the 70s, I think. Yeah. Well, it was being scrapped while they filmed it, wasn't it? I think that's the... That's right, yes. Yeah. yeah, so that's why they could use it, mm. uh, which I think similar situation on things like the sea devils you know when they, when when they film on boats and that and and so that had to be a studio piece and then you're thinking uh so it's going to be talking head yeah. if it's in the studio it, by its nature it's going to be talking heads uh but how can we make it more interesting and and on those ones we we would do like a visual treatment to mm. kind of say you know let's and often that would take the form of a pastiche uh and usually that would be something up at the top. It would be something yeah. up at the beginning to say, we're going to be this type of film. Um, uh, that one, we, we, we'd use rear projection instead of green screen. So which didn't always work, but but basically doing what they've been doing since the dawn of cinema, but also <laughs> yeah. now, you know, in the 80s, Jim Cameron was doing it yeah, on Aliens. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and nowadays it's really the kind of tech they're using on The Mandalorian and things like yeah, that to use. Just much more just a bit posher now yeah it's a bit yeah. high resolution uh, now <laughs> but 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 we would have done that with rear mm. projection so the backgrounds behind those carnival of monsters cast members are, are there live you know you could have stepped into the room and seen that sometimes yeah. that doesn't work sometimes the design hasn't come through sharp enough or bright enough so it can look a bit degraded but it but it's nicer than having a fringe around somebody's yeah. edges yeah. Yeah, from the green yeah. screen but i would always have been a bit frustrated by those docs because you know you know, it's. I think that's a really fun doc and was mm. a nice one for us to do at the time. But we did it at the same time as something like the Mutants one we did, mm. from, uh, which is called Mutt Mad. And really on something like Mutt Mad, we, I didn't have an idea. If you watch it, it's it's an assembly of nice interviews, yeah. but there's no creative idea behind that mm. apart from, oh, this story's a bit weird, isn't it? So let's <laughs> lean in and make it a bit weird and slightly psychedelic. Um, 
so so what what I really loved was when we could yeah. go out on location and do something and and we, we ended up in a process where I'd get commissioned to do three docs in one go yeah. and I would do two of them in one studio day do all the interviews do like 11 or 12 sat down interviews with me bleeding from the eyes by the end of it, just <laughs> doing a conveyor belt of, of really often quite heartfelt yeah, significant yeah. interviews and and that would then give it a visual design in in post and the third of the films we'd get commissioned for would be an all singing or dancing on mm. location living with Levine Havoc film yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. where we'd have more fun but we never really found a way to make every film great mm. and and the thing I like about the Blu-rays is every film now is very much uh, unique is budgeted independently uh, and and luckily budgets have gone up a bit mm. you know they're still budgets are 10% of what they would be for telly yeah. you know don't get me wrong we, we, we are working still on a teeny tiny yeah. budget as, as you would expect for yeah. a non-broadcasting um, but at least I think you know you they're healthier than they were and we can do yeah. more with each one so you shouldn't see a weak link so much mm. as maybe the documentaries for the mutants or there's a really shit one I did on the moon base called Lunar Landing which is really boring or even something like uh, for, for, yeah. for the Green Death or Ark in Space I felt like I was delivering something that was just a, not good enough for what yeah. the story was but we were off having fun making uh, something about Peter R. Newman instead you know so yeah. it was always a Robin Peter to pay Paul that, yeah. that was a lot of fun that one actually the, the looking for Peter Peter Newman the writer yeah. of the Sensorites right which mm. is a name that not many... It doesn't rise at the top of every Doctor Who fan's writer's list. And he's only ever written the one story. But the the kind of investigative trail... Was it was it Toby Haydock in that one? I, I can't yeah, remember. Yes, it was, it, was it? Yeah, and, and yeah, the idea... It's, it's, sorry, it's, it's a while since I watched it. But I remember okay. really enjoying it. I thought it, it you know, really drew me in and found out well, more well, about this that, guy. And that was an idea that I think, I think that Toby brought to the table just to was say... Look, there's this guy, Peter R. Newman, and we we, do, we don't know anything of. Yeah. And the sense rights is one of the stories that often gets a bit forgotten. And I'd been commissioned to make a making of for the mm. sense rights, and I was really struggling, thinking, <laughs> I don't know what. Again, that same problem. I can't yeah, go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and what is there to hang it off? And my my working idea was I was going to employ that chap. What's his name? Silas, somebody, the chap who often played the Ood in the David Tennant. Oh, okay. Film, yeah. And I wanted to have a, 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 a sense rights documentary presented be, by the yeah. Ood because it's they're kind of related, aren't they? Sort of. And the Ood's there. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah. established that they're kind of mm. cousins. Uh, and I thought he could be like, hello, I'm an Ood. And back in 1964, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And that was my. That like was Mr. Blobby. Yeah, that's a yeah, Mr. Blobby yeah. Ood. <laughs> Blobby Ood. Well, that, that, that was the best I could do. That yeah, was, that was as far as I could get. Bang on. Uh, and right. then Toby came and said, well, how about that? And I, I think yeah. I went back to Dan Hall, our executive producer, and said, rather than make a really boring documentary, uh, could we go and run around and find stuff about Peter Arnew yeah, instead? Yeah. And that ended up being a nice little watershed for us, I think, of saying, you know, you couldn't broadcast. It would be it would be too small a topic to, yeah. to broadcast on, yeah. even before. <laughs> but 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 we could we could say to fans, we know you want to know this, and yeah. we want mm-hmm. to know this. And this means something to the families. You know, when we do those looking for films, we did one for Peter, we did one for Lenny Main, mm-hmm. the director, and we're working on. We're about to finish and deliver a third one, which is like the biggest. I think it's the best of, of the three. And uh, and with all of them, there's mm. an element where you're you're saying a thank you. You're kind of reclaiming yeah, that yeah. person. You're saying mm. to the family, mm. you know, this is somebody who's worth 
celebrating and and we can find out stuff you didn't know you know for, for peter newman's family they were learning all the stuff yeah, that we were finding yeah. out for lenny main's yeah. family you know he died very tragically and 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 i think we we can't fix that mm-hmm. but but i think we can give the family a gift of saying you know here's how much he was loved yeah. and and that can mean something as a as yeah. a keepsake and uh, so no we, we, we love doing that and i think i'm i always gravitate to the more um emotional kind of human side of the, these things anyway uh i always thought it was quite handy that 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 ed straddling who's a good friend would often do those kind of era documentaries yeah. looking at you know, what, you know and, and and wonderful work you know things like trials and tribulations and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. time and like that would look at a certain era of the show in the way that ed comes mm. at life ed is a former ed ed ed, ed, ed used to work in law you know, mm, so he's, really. he sees things. I think in, in in almost as if life is an essay, and and I probably see things more that life is a story, and yeah. and so I think I think those styles worked quite well alongside each yeah. other. That you want the eras to be more forensic and more and analytical, yeah. And and then I I like making films that feel like more of a I guess an emotional character driven yeah, flight of fantasy about the people, off in yeah. a direction, you know, uh, but I still with its feet on the ground, hopefully. It's yeah. it's good to have the mix, isn't it? You know the variety, so you, mm. you never quite get the the same thing coming through all the time. There's always there's always a mix mm. up with you know with your content with with the stuff from the other guys. Yeah. And because I, I remember the was it was it the frontier in space? Did, did Ed Stradling do that one? I think that's I think that's a Steve Broster one. It's a Steve Broster of, of the future. Yeah, that's right. Where, where they project as a kind of future essay future looking future. back. Yes. On the time when the, the time of the seventies, but through the lens of the future yes. projected through front, it was it was very kind of postmodern complex. Yeah. you know. With, with, I, th- I think I think it's hard that I think sometimes, very so, so, sometimes this is this may be more of a failing of mine than Steve's, but I think because you on some of them you had to make a talking head doc. Mm. You know, the nature of the beast was talking head, and so your creative element had to be bolted onto it. It was quite hard to make that creative element part of the body of the film. Yeah. Uh, so I know that I, ours came to an idea when I think the one we did originally for the demons, uh, which is called "The Devil Rides Out," which has got lots of lovely stuff in it, but begins with this incredibly overdramatic bit <laughs> that I shot in a crypt in Newcastle, where a monk <laughs> comes down and draws a a, a, a pentagram on yeah. the floor and, yeah. and all this and. And and I and I remember seeing it in the edit and thinking I've gone too far with this because this is really <laughs> nothing to do with anything. I'm establishing a mood, yeah. but I'm spending a minute and a half establishing a sort of a mood. Uh, but I'm basically trying to say, "Hey, look over here! I'm not a Talking Heads documentary." And, yeah. and, and it was always. And I think I think then I tried to do that in a more subtle way, but it was always hard to connect it all to kind of bring it all together into one piece. And I think. I hope we do that better now. That I think each one should feel more cohesive as a as a whole. I think. I yeah, yeah, it's interesting with the demons because I was watching um, uh, the other day the one with Katie and John Levine going out to back to Worldborn, and yeah. that almost seems like a, a sort of a companion piece to the Green Death, where Katie and Stuart Bevan go back to the village in Wales. I can't remember, but. I, I find, and particularly the, the demon. I mean, both of them, to be honest. You know, there, there's a real, there's a real emotional connection. I mean, I think with anything with Katie in it, always gets 
gets me blubbing because she's so fabulous and she's so yeah. passionate and it just comes through but then again you have to kind of capture that don't you and know where the right where the right places are and there's, there's this wonderful sequence in the in the demons documentary uh, where where Casey and John Levine are just lying on their back looking up at the at, at the blue skies you know over the barrows and Casey's just recounting his story of when she did the same thing with John Pertwee and it was it was just beautiful you know and those those little moments they yes they're part of fandom and part of this weird kind of you know geeky sort of community that 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 we all have but they're also something much more transcendent as well they're you know they're touching on on humanity and mm. you know in Casey's story there that you know the loss that she'd she'd had to come to terms with you know just just in the days running up to her filming the 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 demon story and you know and but i would never have known that if it wasn't for your documentary finding that moment and and you know having her comfortable enough to sort of tell the story so i, I it's, it's not a question actually i don't really know where i'm going with this i suppose but you know i'm just kind of waxing lyrical i guess but it's you know sometimes they're really beautiful uh, in fact, a lot of times they are. You know, I think maybe. It, do you think is is that maybe when you've got the time to spend on them, perhaps, and a bit more budget and time to play around with? Or well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we, we I, I, always, I hope that all of them have got kind of a, a heart mm. somewhere, and I, I wear my heart very much on my sleeve, and mm. and and I'm an optimist, but but by nature, and and but I believe in the beauty of. It sounds really wanky, but I believe in that sad. <laughs> So sadness can be beautiful. I'm not going to yeah, say like yeah. kind of blink, you know, like sadness is is deep for it's smart people or whatever. Deep, yeah. But you know, I, th- I think I think it can be beautiful, really mm, beautiful mm. to reflect on on things that are lost and and mm. and on sadness and 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 I think I love working with Katie. You know, as you say, keeping up with the Joneses on the Green Death and Devil's Weekend on the Demons are, are very much a kind of original and, and a sequel yeah. to each other. We've done we've done more with Katie, you know, and I and I and I love working with Katie because she's so there's a genuine warmth there. Yeah, there's a there's yeah. a there's a spontaneity really that she's mad, yeah, and you don't totally, know, yeah. you don't know what she's going to do next. <laughs> yeah, uh, but also she she really cares. She yeah, cares she does. You, you can yeah. you can tell like, encounters. You know, if you see her at a convention, she she's basically a, a kind of delirious mm. hugging machine that if you try and get from one room <laughs> to another at a convention with Katie, it would take three no times longer than, than anybody else because, because she wants to yeah. make a connection and it, and yeah. she's gorgeous like that. You know, she, yeah. she, she yeah. bought every time I go on a shoot with her, she gives me a gift for my three year old. Uh, yeah. And it's usually just a book, a new book or a new toy. And, and she's just a very thoughtful person. And on mm. that shoot on devil's weekend, uh, I, I will have a very, very rough, not even script, just a mm. structure really that that allows me to gain permission <laughs> to do the things <laughs> that we need to do to make yeah. sure the gates are open and people are expecting us and that people eat food at the mm. right point mm. in the day. Yeah. And Katie, I think, said to me, "Oh, I'd love, you know, are we going to go back to the Barrows? I'd love that." And I was like, "Yes, Katie," because you know that hasn't really been. Look, been featured properly yeah, since yeah. I guess kind of Return to Devil's End, uh, Keith, Keith Barnfather in the nineties, um, and she said, "Well, just remind me when I'm up there because there's a little story I want to share uh, that right. I think it's time for me to share." Yeah. Uh, but really, when we got there, I didn't know what she was going to say. I didn't know that she was going to lie down. She just lay down, and I was like, "Oh shit, I better bring the camera down." And uh, and so, so that's a very genuine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as often the, is the way, you know, that the, the best. The moments you 
remember most fondly are the very spontaneous yeah. ones. Yeah. And uh, and Katie was great there, and John mm. was good enough just to just to listen at that, yeah, at that yeah. point. He's not always known for his listening. You uh, <laughs> can't but, do much uh, else with Katie in control, can you, always, I think? He, he, he's always very memorable. We enjoy working yeah, with John. Yeah. Uh, but I think at that moment, it, it, it was a really lovely thing for Katie. And we were lucky that it was in the magic mm. hour. So the light, as the yeah, sun was saying, yeah. is, is, yeah. is, is just right. But that's really just luck yeah. that, that, that we were there at that time of day. Uh, so no, I think, I think, I think we always want to put... I hope I hope a lot of these ones that I hope they're often very funny, but I, I people talk about them being mm. quite quite sad as well, and that's and that's good. I want, good. To cry. <laughs> I want you to cry. <laughs> I was bloody like I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. Sorry. like a free world. No, it's, yeah. it, it was all good. I mean, it's 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 why we watch these things. It's why we keep wanting to watch them. It's you yeah. know when you when you describe it as you described it earlier as VAM, which is what's that value added material. Value it sounds added. so yeah, cold, yeah. doesn't it, and clinical? But yeah. you know, like when you look on the other hand, there's like you said, there's there's humanity, there's warmth, there's eternal stories, there, you know, things that we wouldn't necessarily hear. So you know, to have this content, call it content again. You know, these these stories that we yeah. can reach into a shelf and pull out and just enjoy in our own time and space is is, is really something and, and makes we, them special we, we all and I think the, VAM just sounds a bit like VOM like doesn't yeah, it it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just needs some IT on the end, the end doesn't it close really? to VOM yeah. I think to, to, to feel pleasant so I don't know if that's a nice <laughs> We, we all love the show, don't we? And and you know the characters, of course, but but the actors behind them. And so you know documentaries like like the ones you make help kind of bring us closer to these mm. people and 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 yeah. you know learn more about their lives. And you know some of us are lucky enough to meet them, and, and others haven't yet had that opportunity. But you know, yeah, you you feel closer to them, but you know because of them, which yeah. is fantastic. I think. Really. Well, I think I think the blue the blue rays far more so than the DVDs uh, mm. have mm. been defined by. I think I think Russell Minton, our executive producer, has kind of pushed for this very rightly, that they need to have interaction at the core of them. So you yeah. want, you want your big hitters. You want if you're doing something, and the person is with you is alive. You you want your doctor. You want your companions, and they're the heart of the show. And we mm, might have yeah. dodged that in the past because of practicality or budget or, or 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 thinking maybe they won't have a story to tell because they were doing a load of these in a year. Uh, but I think now the nice thing is. Those those regulars who are the heart of the show mm. are very much at the core of these box sets, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, that's sort of quite. It's almost like we've planned this, Chris. That leads me on to <laughs> my next question, okay. uh, which is: When and how did the collection project come your way, and what and what did you initially think of the plans for it? Uh, so this would have been in oh Christ, when was this? So I'd I'd first encountered. I guess the key person there is Russell Minton who's the boss of the range. And Russell comes from uh, a very BBC background. He, you know, he's, he worked on Strictly for years, you know, so he's very, very much kind of from the factual entertainment side of things. Uh, and Russell had come into the DVD range at the very end and had done some really good work. So he uh, directed, say, The Visitation. On the, on the Visitation Special Edition, there's a lovely documentary that Russell did, which I remember at the time being quite envious of and thinking, oh, that's lovely. And it was shot really nicely. And I immediately nicked his cameraman and started using his cameraman. Sure. Stuff that I was doing. Um, and he did the nice doc for The Underwater Menace. And he did oh, the yeah. two-part mm. uh, television center of the universe thing, which uh, had the 
the kind of fifth Doctor cast and Yvette Fielding going around. Uh, and so Russell arrived even later than I did. And then he was the boss on the Doctor Who after party in 2013. He had me in the infamous after party. And he had me come in uh, and I did most of the VTs, all the pre-recorded stuff. Yeah. On the after party, which I stand by very much as as kind of lovely work, and and yeah, the after party, did, actually, you know, after party, best parts of it, I think. <laughs> yeah, but but also the after party had the, the, Russell was essential for the thing for the coups, mm. like having having Jackie Lane and things like that. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know, it was all down to Russell pushing for that, and and I think what happened behind the scenes, hey, I guess, kind of four or five years later, is is I'd left. I, we'd finished the DVDs, that was done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Russell, I hadn't realised, he was pushing behind the scenes to the BBC, say to the BBC, we should be putting these things into box sets. And yeah. actually, Blu-ray is a good idea because we can put more on a disc and, mm-hmm. and we can, you know, even though it's not necessarily HD, it will improve the compression and it will look nicer and yeah, yeah, sound yeah. better. And, and he, he made that breakthrough. You know, he managed to convince the BBC and without Russell's work, it just would never have happened it, yeah. at all um, and he came very kindly came to me and asked me to come back to it and weirdly at the time I was just really busy and I resisted and mm. so I'm not on the season 12 box because I kind of thought am I am I just repeating myself you know you know yeah. just done the 40 of these on DVD mm. is my Doctor Who time sensibly over um, and and then I, I think he did a bit of courting <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just kind of thought well actually he's talking about a lot of creative freedom here yeah. he's talking about slightly bigger budgets that, in the way that would make a difference and and so I, I came back and did the time flight making of for mm. 19 which was the second set and just had a really nice time and that, that was filmed in like four hours yeah. and we had access to the Concorde up in right. just outside of Manchester, uh, Manchester Airport that one is uh, but but and that was using his cameraman from the visitation, mm. uh, a chap called Matt Patrick, who's very good, and uh, and I just thought this was really fun, uh, and so I've I've kept doing it because when you work on a big telly show, you're often beholden to a lot of a lot of cooks in the yeah. kitchen, and and on these these Russell is great because you will pitch him the idea, and you have to convince him at the outset that this is the right <laughs> way to go, and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. But once once he's kind of signed off on that. He will leave you to it, and That's then good. You know, you, you'll keep him. You, you, mm. you, know, drop, you drop him some updates, but he won't be over your shoulder. And it's then micromanaging you all the time. No, and obviously you show it to him at the end. And mm. Russell, in theory, has the power to change anything he likes at that point. But mm. uh, so it's slightly scary every time. But, <laughs> but, but he, but but traditionally, yeah. he's only ever made a little tweak here, a little tweak there, and uh, and left us to it. So. Uh, I enjoy that, you know. I enjoy that yeah, that freedom right. that, that we're given yeah. on the range to be a bit mad. Tell us a bit about the upcoming season twenty-two. Oh production. yes. So season twenty-two, uh, which I guess by the time this goes out, probably It'll somebody will have it somewhere. It'll be out there yeah, somewhere. Pe- people might already have it by the time they're listening, or it might be coming tomorrow in the post. Monday, I think, I think, I think it's Lee Binding's prettiest box design. <gasps> I think that something about that- the art on this one that I love. The, I love that it's a lovely striking, very focused image mm. of Colin that I'm not familiar with that I'm sure Lee is as, as Frankenstein together in yeah, beautiful comp- ways composited <laughs> together, yeah. He's always very clever uh, but I love the colours I've said this to Lee, that you mm. kind of want to lick it you want to take yeah. the box set and lick it because it looks like a big lollipop I should be doing um, that uh, as soon as it arrives I yeah. should be licking oh, my we'll have, Colin 
Maybe, ooh, ooh, yeah. uh, but maybe I was going to ask you to tell a picture. To that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but no, I, I think that it's uh, I think it's a great set. I think it's mm. it's a season of Doctor Who that can sometimes be a bit divisive. Um, but I've said this before; it's kind of the last time mm. that the show doesn't really think it's in trouble. Yeah. It's the last time of the original series where they think, "Hey, we got the money. We mm. got got. The, we believe in ourselves. It's a full season." And every every year after that, although I love those seasons afterwards, yeah. and I particularly love the kind of Cartmel uh, stuff with Sophie mm. and Sylvester. The show is kind of is being chopped yeah. every time, and it's and it's being relegated every time. It's season got the sword of Damocles hanging over it from that point onwards, isn't it? It, it does. And season twenty two doesn't know anything about that. No, it you just know, goes what, on. What, what really struck struck mm. me going back is that Colin and Nicholas start that year thinking this is the start of something beautiful. Yeah, this yeah. is the start of our three years together mm. this is colin thinking i'm gonna outrun tom baker, tom baker yeah. and mm. and there's something uh brilliant about that confidence that the show has it doesn't always work uh but i think it's a very full-blooded series and it's got mm. great location work and so the main film that i've well the only the only film i've done but it's a significant a big film is uh, uh i really thought the dvds uh, which are great have quite a few gaps in them for season 22 where a lot of the docs had been done in the studio. Yeah. Quite a few of them didn't have either Colin or Nicola or both of yeah. them were missing. And so I, th- I thought, well, let's correct that. And we've done a kind of almost Top Gear style uh, location jaunt with Colin and Nicola where we've gone back Brilliant. to the back of the Cybermen locations and we've gone back to the Mark of the Rani village and we've gone back to the Portsmouth locations for Revelation of the Daleks. And, and along the way, because mercifully, all, all three directors are still with us for those three stories. They can yeah, encounter yeah. the directors there. And 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 I always think you get something richer from a contributor when they're back in the space when yeah. they did it. So I think mm. Colin and Nicola was actually quite emotional at times. Uh, hopefully, you'll see that in the film. Mm. You know, but, but they, they they I think Colin described it as like kind of sightseeing within his own memories. You know, was hmm. I think it was nice for them. Uh, so no, so we've done that, and then there were lots of lovely. Paul Venetius has done, uh, I think, three. It's a record. He's done three in conversations for this one with the lovely Matthew Sweet. So they've done, yeah, and, and Nicola and Michael Grade as well. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> going to be interesting. I've, yeah. I've not seen this. So I, I'm Only right. uh, and then uh, Steve Broster has done yeah. a big making of for the two doctors. Uh, oh, which didn't have a making of on the DVDs, and and no, I, I think it'll be. I mean, I, I I always look forward to seeing them, and I, mm. I certainly feel like uh, it's it's a great opportunity to revisit a season like that mm. and think. Actually, I think particularly Colin and Nicola are such great champions for Doctor yeah. Who, and it's and it's their big moment together. Mm. You know, it's, it's a full season of their relationship. So we we kind of lent into that. I think there's yeah. a there's a lovely intimate uh, knowingness. Between Colin and Nicola, that I found when I yeah. when I've written for them for Big Finish as well, the, the, there's a real chemistry there between the two of them. So we we very much um, uh, kind of relied on that to, yeah. to keep us afloat. Yeah, very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to to watching it all. You know, I, they're yeah. great together, and um, I, I listened to the to the Big Finish um, Sixth Doctor and Perry box set that came out a little while ago, oh, yes. and it, it was just great. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. So yeah, look, looking forward to. To diving into all of uh, these extras on it, 
Um, so I've kind of I've got two questions here, which are kind of uh, related. So um, at Chris Russ One on Twitter asks, how far in advance are the collection sets planned? Um, and I think this is your question, Paul. Um, are there any plans? Do you know to bring the black and white <gasps> seasons into the yes. collection? We need so, to know. <laughs> <laughs> so how far in advance? It kind of depends. Uh, mm. I'm and there's certain points like I said this before, but at the, when COVID hit. Yeah. We were unlucky because we were only we were, we were making the next set, so we were working on season eight when COVID hit, yeah. just because of unfortunate timing. So actually, it really it hurt us quite badly. Schedule it slowed it down, because didn't it? Yeah, we had to stop, and we didn't have anything that had already been made ready to go. Mm. We just happened right. to be at the end of a production arc where we at one point we'd been had been three ahead, and then we'd got to the end of that three, or we were about to, and then COVID hits. So you've got nothing to yeah. to show, uh, but normally it's more than that. At the moment, I'm I've got about blimey. Uh, apart from twenty two, uh, we've got stuff in the mix for one, two, three, four. I mean, on some levels, there are seven that oh, I've wow. got material. That I've got material <laughs> back for you wow. know seven I, sets that I know. Yeah. Oh, I've got. That interview that I'm going to put into that film on that yeah, set. I, I love that. Uh, and, um, and, 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 and so, in, in some of those cases, it's that I know that's going to happen, mm-hmm. and in other cases, it's that we're literally we're about to deliver for right. a different set, or we're starting the edit on the next set. And um, so, so I guess that means I'm delivering something now that I filmed back in August of last year. Yeah. So I would have started thinking about it maybe in April, May of last year. Yeah. And Okay, so about be a delivered. year or so in advance. Huh? I, I mean, yeah, Almost, probably on average. Yeah. Something like that. But sometimes it happens really quick. Mm. And like I think we, we did some like we did the doctor's table for season 24 and I think we shot that in the December and then yeah. it was it we edited it straight away in January and then it was on a set in no time at all. We might have edited that to that before Christmas actually. So sometimes just the timings work that we just say, actually this needs to be ready right now. Yeah. And, yeah. and it kinda of goes I, to that. I love that there's some um, things going on that you're working on that will make a lot of people mm. happy and entertain them, but we, we don't know any of it and you you've got all the secrets. Yeah, so that's brilliant. <laughs> But they're often not not that exciting. But I, th- I think the uh, I think this kind of answers the second question, which is that you know we're, we're very much you know we don't know anything. I don't know anything until something gets commissioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until Russell says green light, uh, it doesn't exist. And in theory, he might just not green light anything after a certain point. Um, and the sets kind of have to be commissioned. I think mm-hmm. on a on a gradual process. Mm. It's not like the BBC commissioned everything at the beginning. It's like any business. It's yeah. a rolling intention. Uh, but, you know, the intention is to release, you know, from the beginning, we were saying mm. this is this a collection. This, mm. So the idea that there would be no black and white sets is kind of mad because, you know, that would be perverse, wouldn't it? That yeah, would be awful. Yeah, you yeah, can't, yeah, you can't be... not have those in at some point. Yeah. We just want them now, Chris. That's it. Well, yeah, we want so everything I, 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 I was head of fandom. Don't worry, man. Don't worry. <laughs> Chill. Don't worry, I think it's just, I think it's natural yeah. that you would, but I, they've, I think they've taken longer because they're just bigger and, and they're, the restoration jobs are really big and 
and there's only so many hours a day we can mm. make Peter Popper work. But I would not worry <laughs> about anything like that. Okay. Not worry. That's, that's he's, he's almost convincing me there. Look at that. <laughs> look at the eyes. Don't be on the eyes. Just look yeah, at the yeah. eyes. <laughs> so this is a this is a, a bit of a kind of future looking question. But oh. are you looking forward to working on documentaries in in the future? for new who when those series have become more classic than new if you see what i mean yeah so i would we've always said that we'd love to mm. we've always said and 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 i don't i don't know at what point that happens i don't know when they become mm. classic yeah when, when does but, christopher eccleston series become that's nearly, classic? Yeah. Well, nearly 20 years old because i think yeah. i think the tricky thing the tricky thing there you know mm. I, and i don't know anything about this but the tricky thing is that that was a long time ago but suddenly that feels very current because mm, yes. the team that made that show are back in office you know kind of <laughs> yeah. are working on it again so so you know I, th- I, th- I think suddenly everything is now and I don't know mm. at what point things become classic or not uh, mm. but it, we've always said that we'd love to and we're very patient and uh, I think it would be just as exciting to make a set for the post 2005 run as it would be uh, any of the old ones, so yeah. I hope we get to. And I th- I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, that, that that those blue, that the existing sets, there's more you can do. And I agree with that. I think I think yeah. I would, I'd be pitching these big, three hour, four hour super docs uh, about the yeah. whole season, but r- r- not doing an yeah. episode by episode because kind of confidential's done that on some of those seasons. Did, did, anyway. Yeah, but to do something but, that is about the whole production process. Mm, yeah. The, there must the, be all the hard work that's gone into that. Yeah, so many stories to tell. So that, many, that yeah. We we don't know about, and that, you know, haven't uh, ha, you know, haven't we haven't scratched the surface of it all. Um, but I think at the same time we, we've got plenty to be getting on with. You know, we're, yes. we're, yeah. we're not short on work, so I think it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's some, some it's something that we can be patient for, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've we've got a, a very important question here, which is from at feeling listless on Twitter. And they say, are they changing the logo <gasps> on the collection sets? We need, we need to know. Uh, well, I, I've, I've been asked this before. I, I, I mean, on a genuine level, I'm not involved in that, so mm. I, I, yeah, I don't know anything. But if I was a fan looking at it, you know, I know that when the DVD range was happening, and they had that, they had the Pertwee logo, yeah, right from the beginning. Even when the series came back. And you had you had Russell T Davis's logo. Uh, nothing changed. Mm. You know the, the, the range continued with the same logo right the way to the end. I think we, the BBC, know that the people buying these sets are collectors. Mm. I think we know enough about collectors to know what they would what they would genuinely <laughs> like to see on the show. Obsessiveness is that. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of it's just mm. a nice nice thing to look at that way. So I, as a fan, I would be really surprised. Yeah. Like genuinely, I, like drop my cup of tea, kind of surprised. If anything like that happens, so. it, do you know it, it? Just just what you said there actually rings really true because when you look at like the DVD range, whenever they've done something slightly different, where they've almost been forced to kind of change the design of the cover, all you've got to do is reverse it, and you've got the same cover, so it fits in your collection yeah. with all the graphics in the right place and the font and everything else, you know. So you can choose, and that that is not something that a vast corporate way out of touch with its fan base. Would, would would know about that's somebody who who knows who's almost you know who understands the fan one, gene one of us yeah it's the yeah. one of us yeah yeah well, I, 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 that's that's the thing to reassure anybody mm. with people who are working on the sets really right the way up to the top 
our our fans, are people that care about the show. So, yeah. and and we want them on our shelves. <laughs> so obviously, we don't want, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite <laughs> we right. Want, we don't want our shelves to look stupid either. So yeah. again, 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 I know nothing. I mean, it's look, not, it's so neat, it's so beautiful. Eh? Well, exactly. on my shelf. Exactly. Yeah. And it would, be, it would be very hard to turn a Lee binding cover inside out. Oh, you know, it would, on, wouldn't on it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you can uh, reverse the You wouldn't want to do it. Uh, You'd have to have a logo less no. option. You know, Lee wouldn't yes. like it. No, he, he wouldn't <laughs> no, like no. It. Don't blame him, no. Um, so, Chris, we're aware that um, uh, our time is almost up this evening. So, um, Paul, I've got one more question. Have you got anything that you'd like to well, ask quickly? Well, I, I, I think we, um, we, we, we can't really go without asking Chris about his uh, work for Big Finish. Yes. Oh well, that's, that was my question. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, how did it come about then, Chris? How did uh, you know? How, how did you pitch? How did you get the call? What's going on? What happened? Ooh, uh Well, I was working on the DVDs and mm. and happened to work with Nick Briggs on the Death to the Daleks DVD, and of he course. was doing yes. he was doing Dalek voices. Me, that one's narrated by the Daleks, and he was appearing as a fan. Awesome. Of Death to the Daleks because yeah. he fucking loves it, and <laughs> uh, and 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 he gave me the opportunity to pick. I think I said to him, you know, would you mind if I picked yeah, yeah. something in the future? And I'd written drama stuff before that I could show him and say, look, it'll be yes. maybe as good as this, like or, this. or yeah. not yeah. not as bad as this. I don't know. Um, and uh, and yeah, and, and I was just really lucky. And flash forward a couple of years, and Alan Barnes, yeah. I was uh, script editing the. Uh, the main range and I happened to pitch an idea all about memory and about a planet where if you uh, if you're forgotten then you cease to exist which Ooh, was that sounds very relevant mm. and uh, and he happened to be looking for an anthology set all about memory so it was kind of perfect timing that, that I kind of blundered in with the yeah. right theme and <laughs> do it. so it's just it's just all, I, I love doing it I love writing for Big Finish I think uh, you know it's written for Peter and Tom and Colin mm, and yeah. unit series and I think that's it and uh, it's just all it's just always been lovely and when I've made a documentary and yeah. we've got mad trying to get schedules to work and get locations to agree to things and all that uh, or and I've driven hundreds and thousands of miles it's nice to just sit in a cafe and like <laughs> the doctor yeah. says this and and <laughs> and, and, it, and, and it, it yeah I found it very relaxing. Anything, yeah. It's nice. I, I don't no, I wouldn't necessarily just want to do one or the other yeah, like yeah, give yeah. up docs or to give up scripts. But, but that's so a, that's about. a great thing about being a freelancer and having your own company, isn't it? You can literally choose what you yeah, do. Yeah. You yeah. know, you don't have to fit in anybody's little box. You know, you choose your own box. Yeah. That's no, and they're lovely to make. They're lovely to make, and it, it, it's yeah. it's yeah, it's a great. It, the obviously greater sadness is in mm. the, in COVID, but it's but it is yeah. a sadness that, that it's meant that uh, we've not been able to all get together in the studio and mm. in the recording studios uh, to to kind of enjoy those. But uh, everybody zooms in and does it that way now. Yeah, yeah. Least, yeah. at least yeah. you hear what's going on. <laughs> it's more about Zoom. Yeah. I was going to ask you earlier, actually, about um, what other type of projects or how did you phrase it? Because you, you, but you actually put a tweet out this morning, which kind of answered that for me. So you oh, put out other ser- other film and TV series. Oh, yeah. I'd oh, love yes. to make a full blooded mega special features for, <laughs> which is great. Because I thought I'm going to ask you now, and, and then you tweeted out there, so I don't yeah. need to ask you. Uh, but what, why oh, that no. list then? There's so many things on there. It's, it's all good stuff. Yeah, I, I think I was. I, I'm going through a hammer phase at the mm. moment again. I, uh, again, yeah. <laughs> the back of the evolution of horror podcasts was making me rewatch Dracula yeah. movies. 
and and I was just thinking, oh, there's not, you know, w- w- why are these box sets all, yeah. the, all the release uh, strategy for those is really messed up and on different sets yeah, because yeah. everybody owns different, different people own different distributor rights to Hammer. And I was just thinking how lovely it would be to make docs like we do uh, about those runs. So things like, I was saying on, on that tweet, things like mm. Hammer, it's like the Carry On films. I'm a huge fan of the 1984 box of Delights, yeah, uh, the Renny yeah, Rye yeah. uh, directed and, and somebody suggested like, like 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 the early '90s Chronicles of Narnia would be really good as well. Yeah, but things yeah, like yeah. The Prisoner, things like The Avengers, Blake mm. Seven, uh, all these shows. It, it made me think about how lucky and weird Doctor mm. Who is. That literally every story has a, a thing, and if if it doesn't have a thing, we kind of get a bit annoyed. And yeah. you think, why <laughs> me? Look at things like Only Fools and Horses is the most is the biggest com- most popular comedy yeah. ever in the UK. And and kind of scrapes by in terms yeah. of how you know, you'd never get a, a doc on for one episode. No, fools, no. It's it's the whole so, thing, isn't it? Pretty much an, an yeah. interview with John Sullivan, a bit of kind of how it came about, and not really much else, really. Which is lovely, but but I I, I was looking at, at these things and thinking, mm. oh, I, w- I, I wish the maybe maybe it's just a numbers thing. I wish the fan base was there, yeah. demanding those things yeah. for other big series is because it would be lovely to make those kind of films so any of those ones would make me happy uh i think somebody somebody said i think steve o'brien said our friends in the north and i thought that'd be a good that'd one. Be good. Yeah, i remember watching yeah. our friends in the north when i was about 14 and 15 and think and it having a really big impact things yeah. like ultraviolet and yeah uh, and, and 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 russell t davis things you know things like dark mm. season and century mm. falls on cbbc you know were very formative for me um so who, who knows i I think I, I feel like Doctor Who is probably a unique case, but I would love to, if I had the gumption. Uh, I know it's the Box of Delights anniversary in yeah. a couple of years. It'll be the fortieth, and I would go to them and say, uh, "Let's do a big anniversary box set with a two-hour on-location making yeah. of thing and yeah, just celebrate." Yeah. Uh, so you never know. You never know. I mean, it, yeah. I'm sure the, the the sales would come in. There's, there's people who would snap that up, you know, me for one. And if I do it, there's millions who would, I'm sure. Because mm. why not? But this is the problem. I, I don't know if that's true. I don't, I don't know. If I know. Would, <laughs> I don't know if it would sell enough is the problem. That's the and problem, with, isn't with, it? Mm. With Doctor Who, you've got this unique fan base who loves yeah. to buy physical media. And that's just not, it's not necessarily always true. Um, but I'd love it to happen one day. Mm. Mm. Blake, Blake Seven would be my kind of pitch for that one, I I would love to see Blake Seven given the given the collection treatment. That would be that would be magnificent. That power, absolute power. That's my <laughs> serverland impression. It's not. Good. I'm not going to claim any kind of a professionalism on on that at all. But no, this this is fabulous. It's been a real eye opener. I think we have probably got one yeah. more question from Sophie. Have we, Jeff? Oh, okay. So uh, at Sophie the Otter. Uh, has um, given us our favourite ever question. So, Chris, if you were a biscuit, what biscuit would you be? Hmm. 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 <laughs> I guess the question works on two levels, doesn't it? It, it, on it, one could. Level it invites, <laughs> On one level, it invites you just to name your favourite biscuit, like which would you like to eat? So I'm probably kind of a ginger nut guy, to be honest. I know oh, it's kind okay. of a, bit, a little bit boring, maybe, but I love uh, ginger nut and a cup of tea. Uh, oh, hang on, I was just going to say, we, we spoke to Ella Road recently. That's with Ginger Creams. Co- co- oh, Ginger yeah. Creams. Oh, special. Yeah. Mm. No, 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 Ginger Creams are great. Uh, if you were one, I don't know, really. Uh, I 
I think I think I think I'll stick with ginger nuts. I think ginger nuts fine. <laughs> very tasty. There you Good go, choice. and and hold yeah. together when dunked in a cup of tea quite well. So yeah. that's always a bonus. Falls apart at some point, but uh, <laughs> okay. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Chris, we can't thank you enough for joining us yeah, on our little it. podcast. It's it's been a fascinating chat. It, it really has, and the time has just flown by. I, you know, we we could sit here and talk until the early hours, but um, you've yeah. got families to go to and everything else. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, we we'll look forward to uh, devouring season twenty-two very soon. Yeah, I hope, yeah. I hope enjoy. Our listeners enjoy it as well, and we look forward to seeing what comes in the future as well. <laughs>